וכמה דף י"ד עמוד בייז, ethical responsibility beyond the legal, הכה במאיה סקינן ביאטמי, ו-overcome is not just about learning our rights in law, but also our obligations as mentioned, as human beings. And always this polarity of understanding what the minimum rights are and what the minimum duties are in terms of the, of the law, but also going beyond that and understanding what does the Torah expect from us as a mensch as well. And we'll see another example of this today. The Gemara is analyzing what the words Shaveh Kesef mean in the Mishnah that we're analyzing at the moment. And it says, Melamed she'en beit din nizkakim elanenechasim she'yesh lahen achrayut. It comes to teach us that the only time that Beisdin can take property instead of money, we're talking about a, a nizak, somebody's been damaged, so the person who caused the damage, the owner of the ox are damaged or, or whatever, is now responsible to pay to the nizak. If he doesn't have the cash, Beisdin can take property of his to the value of the amount that he is owed. But he does that only with nechassim sheyesh lahem achrayut, which means fixed property. They can't go and take away his property that isn't fixed property. Ask the Gemara, v'atanya yashiv l'rabot shaveh kesef afilu subin. You remember, we learned already, that if he volunteers to pay the damages, he can pay even from not only movable property, but even from subin, even a, ba- a bag of oat, gra- of oat bran he can give to the, to the mazik. Why do we learn from Shaveh Kesef that it has to be fixed property? This is the, those are the words we're going to focus on. It says the Gemara, no, you're right. Normally you can pay and Beisdin can claim the payments from anything. But in this particular case, we're talking about Yetomim. The Mazik died. And now the Nizak, the person who is damaged, is claiming from the estate of the Mazik. In the estate of the Mazik, there's fixed property and there's movable property. In such a case, they can only claim from fixed property, they can't claim from movable property. Although if the, if the mazik was alive, they could claim from anything. The mazik has an obligation to pay. But if the mazik is not alive, they can only claim from immovable property, from karka. Why is that? So we'll understand. Altogether, we have to understand why can they claim at all. I understand that the, the children inherit a debt. The Yasomim, the, the heirs inherit a debt, they're responsible for the debt of their fathers, the same as they inherit the assets, they also inherit the liabilities. But does that, liabil- does that liability go that far that they've even got to give metaltalin, even that they've got to give property and movable property? We'll understand that. Says the, the Me'iri, if the, if the Mazik died, you can only claim from the Yatomim, from the heirs, if they don't have the cash, you can only claim if their father left them property. Because movable property, we've got all over Shas, does not become Meshuabad. There is no lien on movable property. And if therefore, if the mazik is no longer there, the person who caused the damage is no longer alive, there's nothing to claim from if he doesn't have fixed property. Fixed property becomes mortgaged. It becomes a lien to a balchov. Whether that balchov becomes a balchov, balchov means a creditor. Whether he becomes a creditor because he lent money to this individual, or he becomes a creditor because this individual's ox damaged him and he owes him damages. In either way, there's a debt. He owes him. In such a case, the property of the 
person who owes the money, whether through a loan or through damages, becomes mashuabad, it becomes a mortgaged. In other words, there's a right to claim that the nizak or the balchov has, either the creditor or the person who's been damaged has. The loss of davaz botam shibaulahem la'achar mitatavihem, and that's not only talking about property that comes to the yotomim after their father died. So if they buy a Rolex watch after their father died, you can't claim from the Rolex watch. They may be wealthy, they've got no property. They've got money and they've got a Rolex watch. The Nizak says, I want my damages, I'll take the Rolex watch. Then we say, no, you can't do that. Says the Meiri, that's not only in a case like this where they bought the, the Rolex watch after the father died. But even if the father left them a, 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 a Rolex, you can't claim from it. Because there's no lien on it. There's no, the, the debt doesn't become vested in the Rolex. The debt becomes vested in a property, but not in, but not in the Rolex watch. It doesn't become vested in that. So no matter what the situation, you can't claim from Betaltalin, is how the Meiri understands this Gemara, and Biyatmi. If these are, are orphans, then the only way you can claim from the orphans, from the heirs, is if you're claiming from fixed property, not from movable property. Rashi says... If their father left them fixed property, you can claim. Because the movable property, the Rolex, never becomes mortgaged to the creditor. Why? Here's the, the problem. Because he sa- who says you didn't get them after the death of the father? Maybe they bought them after the death of the father. So how do you understand Rashi? What would Rashi say if we know for sure they got them from the father? Then there would be a shibud, right? Rashi's only saying the, the problem is we're not sure that it came from the father. But if it came from, if we knew it, everybody agrees it came from the father. It's engraved on the back with the father's initials. It was given to him as a gift. Everybody knows the Rolex. That Rolex, according to Rashi, should become Meshubad. Says the Gilayon Marsha. Just look at the, at, at the way these great people learn. The Gilayon Marsha is Rabbi Kivaiga's son. Rabbi Kivega's son wrote notes in his Gemara, and he wrote notes in his, in his Shulchan Aruch. And fortunately, we have those notes on the margins. Gilayon means a marginal note. He wrote a note in the Shulchan Aruch, and he wrote a note in the Gemara. Just little notes, but the notes are, are gems. And the, the Gilayon Marsha says on this Rashi, Tzarich Iyun Tuva, this Rashi needs a lot of analysis, a lot of understanding. So we now begin to understand why Rabbi Shlomo Eger, the, the Giloyan Ashas, is worried about the Rashi. The, 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 the Miri gives us the hint. The Miri says it's an established principle all over Shas that the movable property doesn't become mortgaged to the, to the creditor. That's, that's all over. It makes no difference when he got it or how he got it. It doesn't become mortgaged to the creditor. Whereas Rashi implies if, if it was left, if we know that it was inherited by the Yatomim, then even if it's a Rolex watch, it becomes mortgaged. Where does, where does that come from? Where do we get that from? Says the Masha, it needs a lot of thought. Says the Meiri, continuing in the Meiri, even though from the great rabbis you will see the opposite, the Meiri very seldom quotes the name of anybody. And the Meiri means Rashi. When he talks about the great Rabbonim, he means Rashi. 
So he says, and even though in Rashi you might see the opposite, you might imply from Rashi that if the Rolex was inherited from the father, it is mortgaged to the creditor. Rashi was just writing kind of, generally it's not really what he means. And he goes on to say, because the truth is not like Rashi. The truth is, even if you know that this belonged to the father, and therefore there's no way that it becomes mortgaged to the creditor, even if the creditor get, grabs it, we take it away from him. He has no right to the Rolex watch, even if the Rolex watch was inherited from the father. He only has a right to fix property. Here we see this idea. But there is a myth. It's true that if they got a Rolex watch from the father and they got debt from the father, they should pay the debt with the Rolex watch. That's the mitzvah. Here you get this idea of the ethical responsibility. But if they brought, bought the Rolex watch themselves later on, there's not even a mitzvah to do that. There's no, there's no chiv, there's no mitzvah, there's no ethical obligation, there's no moral obligation. So again, if they inherited fixed property, they have no, no choice. The fixed property goes to the, the nizak, the person who has been damaged, claims his damages from the fixed property. If there's no fixed property, there was just cash, and the, the attorney bought a Rolex late, later on, long after the father died. And now the Nizak says, ah, I see you've got a Rolex watch. I want the Rolex watch. We say, no, we say, no you can't take it. You, you're not even under an ethical obligation to pay it. There's, there's no, they have no connection to that watch. However, if the Rolex watch was the father's watch, then Rashi says they're obligated to use it to pay. And the Meiri says it's a mitzvah. Ethically, they should use it to pay, but there's no claim on it. So even to claim from the ox himself, the Isaac says, says the Meiri can't even say, so give me the ox that caused the damage. Because the ox is also metaltin, it's also movable. Because when the father died, the ox became theirs. And the ox has no, is in no way mortgaged or affiliated to the, to the Nizak in any, in any way. To understand Rashi's view, we need to understand the Rashi in Bova Metzia, which is part of the problem and it is the solution. So let's say, because Rashi is going to explain the whole concept here. What is this connection between property? Why can you take the property? Why is the property obligated? Says Rashi, when a debtor is alive, you can claim even from the jacket on his shoulders. As we say. In other words, he owes the money, you can claim the money from whatever he's got. It doesn't have to be fixed property, it doesn't have to be cash from whatever he's got, you can claim. Shari law hilva because this man is the one who borrowed. So where does the obligation to pay sit? It sits on the man. So who cares what he's paying with? He's got to pay no matter what. Use whatever you've got. Realize whatever cash you've got. You have to pay. And, and he is Meshuabad. The lien is on him, the individual. He has the obligation. It's not on his property. This is, the obligation is on you, the individual. But what happens if the debtor dies, the borrower dies? Or in this case, the mazik dies? So now that obligation that was on a human being, the human being is no longer there. What happened to the obligation? Have I lost it? Am I the, the creditor? 
have I now lost my claim because the, the, the borrower died? But what of the, why should the, the Sermim, why should the orphans have the responsibility? They didn't borrow. But if they borrowed land, that land was included in the transaction. When I lend money to somebody, I realize he's got property. So if he hasn't got cash when he has to pay, he'll have property. So in the mind of the lender, the property forms part of the transaction. And it becomes meshubad from that time while the owner is still alive. Now what happens? The borrower dies. So his personal responsibility to pay is gone. But the field still has the, has the mortgage. The field still has the obligation. And this is the din of an arev. An arev is... If I want to borrow money from, from David here, and David says, no ways, I'm not borrowing, lending you this money, how are you going to repay it? And I say, you don't have to worry here, Ilan is willing to be my arev. If I haven't got the money, Ilan will pay. Ilan says, yes, I'm happy. Tom says, oh, that case, it's fine, have no problem, because I can rely on that. That's how property works, says, the, says Rashi. Property gives satisfaction, gives security to the lender. The lender figures, you might run away, you might go bankrupt, who knows what you'll do, but there's an arev, there's somebody else who'll pay. Property is the same thing, this property from which I can be going. Because that's what property does. It adds to the economic stability of the person. Cash doesn't add to the economic stability. And, and movable property doesn't add to the economic stability, but property does. Because when you lend money, you rely on that. But on metaltalin, it's not even an arev. On metaltalin, it's, it's, it's too movable. Because the malve doesn't rely on them. He can send them to some island in the Caribbean and nobody will ever know that he's even got that and you realize that. So you don't lend money on the basis that he's got cash. You don't lend money on the basis he's got a Rolex watch. You lend money on the basis he's got property or there's an Arev. That's the din of Arvut. Arev means you're responsible for. And responsible for means you give a sense of security. You'll always be there no matter what. That's the idea of karka. It's always there no matter what. It's not going anywhere. And that's an arif. So when David lends me the, the money on the basis of Elan, he knows Elan's the kind of person. He's always there no matter what. Whatever happens, he's not going to have to have a fight with Elan. And, and he doesn't have to worry. That's the din of an arif. And you'll see why that's really important. Reb Nochem extends, so what about our Rashi? Back to the question of the, of the Giloy and Amasha, but our Rashi doesn't give that reason. Our Rashi says the, re, the reason here is because in the case of Yusoyimin, because you could say maybe he bought them after the father died. That, that was the problematic Rashi, isn't that so? Because that implies, but if you know that he got them from before, then it would be okay. Why is Rashi using that? And why doesn't Rashi use the original one? Explains Reb Nochem. Do you see how Reb Nochem is becoming our Rebbe for Borekame? And Reb Nochem says that what Rashi is trying to say here is that he's explaining why there is no Shibud on Metaltalin. Why this is not a din of Arev. Since they can always give reasons and say, yes, this Rolex watch, I got it after my father died. And therefore, since this is not something that a creditor relies on, the Torah doesn't apply a mortgage to it. 
And Rashi here is giving the underlying reason for the whole system of the halacha. The halacha is that metaltani lo mishtabdi, that movable property doesn't become mortgaged to the balchov. Why? Says Rashi there in Bova Metzia. The reason is because the Balchov doesn't rely on them. Here Rashi says, and why doesn't the Balchov rely on them? Because the man can always say, I got them later on. The fact that he can give reasons and say, I got them later on, there's no record with fixed property. We know when you got it. We know what it is. With fixed property is always there, and that's a Din Arev. So with movable property, there's no Din Arev. And since there's no Din Arev, there's no Shibud. There's no mortgage, and since there's no mortgage, you can't, compl- you can't claim from there. We get an idea from there of what arvus means, what responsibility for one another means. And when we say, kol Yisrael arevim zelazer, that's a phrase that we, uh, rolls off our tongue very easily. When it comes to kol Yisrael arevim zelazer, it rolls off our tongue very easily. But if I say to Elan, are you willing to be my arv? I'm borrowing a million dollars from David. Uh, that means if I can't pay, you'll pay. Is that okay, Elan? He doesn't say, sure, call Yisrael Aravims. Whatever you want. doesn't say that. Maybe Elan would, but most people wouldn't. Wouldn't say that. That's a really, let's see your assets. Are you able to repay it? Under what circumstance might I be called upon? We get, he, he gets quite serious because that's what arvus means. Arvus means I'm always there. I'm there no matter what. That's what arv means. And that's why metaltalin can't be an arev because metaltalin are flaky. They're sometimes there and sometimes not. They're sometimes explained away and justified. But karka is always there. Land is always there. Kol Yisrael arevim We are responsible for one another. Means I've got your back no matter what. That's what kol Yisrael arevim And we're moving into a time where we're seeing more achdut. We're seeing more unity among the people. And we've learned our lesson, hopefully, We'll, we'll keep the, the limud. And we understand what it is to be one community. But we need to understand from this Gemara what it really means. What achtut doesn't just mean we love each other, kumbaya. That's not achtut. What achtut doesn't mean I go to the shiva of this person who died because I feel for him. That's all very nice. That's not achtut. Achtut means oneness. Oneness means arvut. Arvut means the, the foundation of our achdut, the foundation of the unity of the Jewish people, is kol Yisrael arivim zelazeh. I am an arev for every Jew. That means no matter what, I'm there. Rebbeinu Shalom, if somebody's mechal Shabbos, you can come to me. Rebbeinu Shalom, if somebody's dishonest in business, you can come to me. Because I am an arev. That's what achdus means. And we need to check in with ourselves. Are we really Aravim Zelazi? Do we really understand what Achtus is? Because when we understand what Achtus is, we'll have true oneness of nation. And with oneness of nation, we'll be able to achieve everything. <laughs> <laughs>